podcast that's raising the bar on craft cocktails. I am your host, Louise Salas, and with me, as always, is my very, very talented friend. As long as she is my clock, I will be her cuckoo. (laughs) (laughs) Mistress DC Gina. Hi, Louise. What? So, um, so as long as I'm your home, you will live inside of me and come out? That's different. <laughs> All right. I mean, this is going to be good. I don't know how you're going to get to our next guest with that one. So I think it's about time that we talk about a little time. All right. So Let's can you spare a bit of time? Yes. All right. Yes. So let's backtrack. Let's, uh, let's, you know about Einstein's theory of relativity. Yeah? Yeah, of course. I mean, yeah. Sure. But did you know that it states that the closer you are to the Earth the slower time goes. So, like, if you're at the top of Mount Everest, you get uh, get 15 microseconds. You get there faster. Basically, you move 15 microseconds faster at the top of Mount Everest than you would at sea level. Hmm. You want one more, you said? Do you want another one of those? I mean, sure. Okay, then. Despite what we've been taught, despite, um, a day isn't actually 24 hours. It's not a full 24 hours. How many hours is it? It's actually 23 hours, 56 minutes, and 4.2 seconds. And that's what it takes for the Earth to rotate. Right. What? Hmm. Yeah. Okay. I'm dying. I'm going to die this all together. I have one more that's just going to absolutely blow your mind. See, physicist that I didn't know okay, about. Here we go. We're gonna blow, this, one blow, this one's going to blow your mind because I had to reread this three times. So. So everything is in the past. Okay. Because light travels, right? Yeah. So it act, it takes time for light to actually reach us or reach a surface. A right. surface. Yeah, like a star. Yes, and, or from the from the sun. So as a result, everything we see is actually in the past. Right. Although you think it's present. Okay. So, it so if you looked out the window right now, you would see sunlight. Yeah. Well, that light is actually eight minutes and twenty seconds old. Thus, what you're looking there is the past. I'm dying to know <laughs> what is going on. I am, I am in a room, a red room, listening to this. Go. Okay. So, I guess it's time to introduce today's designated drinker. Someone who knows the importance of time and how things happen at the time they're supposed to happen. And that's none other than the baking and pastry instructor of Noki. Zach Miller. Hello. Hello. See, it's all about time, about how things come together. No, I get Timing, timing, timing. I get it. And baking is time. No, I I get all that. But I was just thinking you were going to tell me Zach had a physicist degree, and you were going to tell me (laughs) if all those conversations I've had in the kitchen with this man. I was going to be like, what? So the bigger question, Zach, what is Noki? Well, Noki is the New Orleans Culinary and Hospitality Institute, which is a mouthful. That's why we call it Noki. It's awesome. I think it's great. So what goes on there? What's happening there? Well, we are a, um, a brand new uh, cooking school mm-hmm. uh, here in New Orleans. Um, we were founded or established in 2013, but we started our first class uh, January 7th of 2019. Oh, brand so spanking new. Brand new. And we just graduated that class on June 24th. Oh. So we are uh, brand new. We're a 20 week uh, certificate program. Uh, we have baking and pastry, and we also have a culinary program as well. So it's like super intense because it's, it's like super intense. Yes. It's uh, seven hours a day, five days a week. 
Wow. And just like externs and all that kind of stuff, you send them out, bring them back? No, we, for two, we actually, we're, it's, it's a, a condensed program, so there's really no externship. Um, so they come in and we, we go right into the nitty gritty of it. So. Wow. That's intense. That's definitely intense. It's very intense, yes. And this, so this is a brand new program, so how, how did it go? What brand new program. Uh, so far, it, it went really, really well. Uh, it's really a very exciting program. It's an exciting facility as well. We've got brand new, um, brand new equipment. It's just everything is is shiny and new. It's just and like your playground. Exciting. <laughs> it's yeah. It's like a playground. So everything, um, most everything was donated by NAFM, which is the North American Food Equipment Manufacturers Association. Uh, many other companies donated a lot of stuff, a lot of products. Uh, we're still working on on more. So there's a lot of people that put a lot of uh, time and money and effort into getting this off the ground. Because uh, the city is it's something the city has really needed for a long time. And uh, Was it not a cooking school here before? Very excited. Um, there is a community college program at, at Delgado. Okay. Um, and then there are a couple uh, culinary programs in surrounding communities in Baton Rouge and in Thibodeau. But as far as uh, a program like ours in a facility like ours, there there has not been. I find that so hard to believe that this is the first real culinary school in New, in New Orleans where so many amazing chefs come to work and live and. Yes, and you know the demand in, in the amount of restaurants that have increased since since Katrina's it's kind of mind boggling. There's yeah. there's more that open all the time, and, and it's just there. They're really pulling their hair out trying to find uh, qualified people. So it's just been um, a much needed thing, especially at this time yeah. right now in, in the city. And it's um, it's great to see you know, the tradition of the food and and the way people are approaching new ideas of food here with the new cultures that are here. There's a huge um, Vietnamese population here, and that's having a, a huge effect on the food. Uh, oh, interesting. And even you, know, you see, you see even more traditional restaurants. They're they're dabbling in it as well. Um, we we've been here a couple of times in New Orleans, and our, our, our listeners who religiously listen um, know that. And we have had a couple of guests on the show talking um, specifically about what's happened in New Orleans since Katrina. And part of that conversation, actually, um, I think it was with Ralph Brennan. Actually, um, speaking of. Um, was about how the culture of food was changing so much because of the influx of people from other places where it's not um, just the traditional foods that you would find in, in New Orleans restaurants, but really there's a cultural shift. Yeah, it is, it, it, which is really interesting because you would look at what New Orleans food is and it's it comes from all over the world. It yeah. comes from Spain, it comes from France, it yeah. comes from uh, the Caribbean, it comes from Africa, it comes from you know really all over the world. and. Uh, that's what kind of all kind of got mashed up together here. It became new, traditional New Orleans food, and now this is just kind of a continuation of it. It's um, you know, the old, the, the old saying goes, it's just, it's just another ingredient in the gumbo. The <laughs> so, um, you know, maybe you're well, putting I'm sorry, back. what old saying is that? Well, it's just, you know, <laughs> New Orleans, New Orleans, yeah, New Orleans is like a gumbo. It's like the, the melting pot, if yeah. you will. I love it. Kind no, of melts I mean, together, I but in New Orleans, they call it, it's like a, a gumbo. So everybody kind of puts their own, there's a distinct part of, whatever culture that comes into it but it's it's still there but it becomes part of what of what New Orleans is and it's it's bolded in yes yeah, like it's, that it's, baking it's, yeah and it becomes part of <laughs> part of uh, yeah. it becomes folded in it's yeah it's it's an inclusion into it so, yeah. so. 
Zach right now is dying. Like, please never ever come into my kitchen. <laughs> he's like, no, he's you are like, always welcome in, in my baking and pastry lab. Uh, that's after I've had rigorous years of training under Zach telling me, please don't touch that. Please wipe up after yourself. Please put it back where you found it, Gina. Is this where you found the spoon? I'm like, yeah. uh, no. Well, <laughs> put well, it back. Yeah. Well, Gina helped me prepare to uh, become a teacher. I learned a lot of patience uh, working with Gina. <laughs> I mean, it's true. I was, I definitely, I know right now I'm looking at my table of ingredients right now, like, God, he's going to be like, you're still messy. I used to go into Zach's uh, pastry area. We worked, we had the pleasure working together in um, D.C. And Zach really taught um, so much to me about, like, a recipe and what it really means to write that recipe and not just keep throwing shit in a pot with no time, temperature, amounts, and then walking away. That was these other things. Like, where are you going? And he's like, I'm not doing this for you. And the thing was, he taught me was, like, once you nail it and you get it, and it's oh, it's consistent, and it's constant, it becomes effortless. So what used to be a hurricane in the kitchen where I was like, run, <laughs> throw this in and this and this. And then the milk would boil over and he would literally be like, can she go somewhere else? Anywhere. <laughs> and it became like evident, like his patience and like what he does is beautiful. But like he's, I, I he went, I oh, will backtrack in a second, but he really taught me and, and my other bartenders that were there, and anybody that really was willing to listen to him, how to be really good at what you wanted to achieve. And he's had success with people that I know that have trained under him and came in not knowing anything, and he sent them off to win all kinds of pastry awards all over the U.S. now. Big programs, small programs. Um, but Zach left us and he went back to New Orleans with his wife and started, um, you talk about that, leaving to him to D.C., talk, talk about that journey because you don't just become the pastry director. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, it's, um, well, actually I'd have to backtrack before I knew you as far as when the seed was planted uh, for me to kind of shift gears a little bit and get into education. And I was working in New York I uh, was working in New York for about five years, and the, one of the last places I worked there was um, Anthos. I was a corporate pastry chef for their their um, their group, their restaurant group. And so I, I'd worked in New York for a while. I had achieved a, a lot. Um, I got you know, two Michelin stars, three stars in New York Times. Worked in really some of the best restaurants in the country as a pastry chef. So uh, I was... Feeling pretty proud of myself for that, but also what year what, was that? Stop, because everyone here needs to listen. This to is what this was. This was 10, 10 years ago, two thousand nine. Yeah, when wow. this was happening. Uh, so kind of you know right after the crash too. So yeah. you know, things were kind of changing in in the industry a little bit as well as far as fine dining was concerned at that point, too. So I was thinking, you know, what's what's my next step going to be now? So I, I feel like I, you know, it's not that I really didn't have anything left to prove, but I I, I really didn't have much else to prove to myself and to. Um, I guess the world at that point that I could do this. I know, I know I could do this. I know I could work at a high level. What's what's my next step now? So as I'm kind of going through this conversation, what do I want to do? You know, you know what, what do I want to be when I grow up? Yeah, I was just going to say that. Kind of, <laughs> kind of conversation with myself. You know, I'd be you know at work and kind of 
deep in thought with this as I'm working, and then I get one of the the line cooks come up to me and say, "Hey, Zach, um, I'm trying to do this thing. So how would I do that? What would I do?" It's like, "Oh, well." So I take them through the whole process of explaining how this particular technique would work or how would I would apply it to that scenario, and. He's like, oh man, thanks for your help. He's like, yeah, no problem, anytime. And then he'd go back to whatever he's doing. And then the next day, another one would come up to me and ask me the same thing. And sometimes it would be my cook, uh, one of my pastry cooks, or it would be one of the line cooks. And you know, the meantime, I'm like, what do I, what do I love? What do I want to do? What, do I, what makes me happy? What do I really enjoy doing? And at the same time, I'm getting bombarded with all these questions. And I'm like, well, I kind of like doing this. I kind of like answering these people's questions and you know, watching them take this knowledge and grow from that and, and turn awesome. it into their own thing. Yeah. And I'm like, huh, I wonder if I can get a job doing that. I'm like, well, that's teaching. <laughs> that's a, that's yeah. what teaching is. So um, that's when the seed really first got planted in, in 2009. And I had spoken to, it was um, the FCI now, I think it's the ICC. They changed their name since then, it's many years ago um, in New York. And I actually interviewed with them um, to become an instructor. And um, the pay was a uh, seller for it was it wasn't a, what I would consider a living wage in New York City at the time. So um, a dollar twenty five an hour didn't sound good to you. No, no, <laughs> yeah, okay. it was it was not um, not something that I for a full time job wanted to um, do. So that just kind of kind of just I took a step back from that at, at that point. Um, but then we had the opportunity to move to Washington D.C. Um, you know, I was kind of I was kind of done with New York at that point. Yeah. And uh, as a friend, a friend of mine says, uh, New York is the girl you date, not the girl you marry. And that's kind of how I, I, I felt about it. Uh, I love my time in New York City. Yeah. I, I loved uh, working there. Wouldn't trade it for the world, but I absolutely have no desire to move back. Yeah. Uh, so that brings me to, to D.C. and where uh, I end up um, getting connected uh, with Gina through a mutual friend of ours, actually. Yeah. And that's how I ended up getting the job at the restaurant that we were at. And, um, you know, kept, you know, really thought about the teaching thing and really was able to nurture a lot of the cooks that were there. And um, It takes a certain person to be able to do that because a lot of people, especially in, in the kitchen, is so high stress. Yes. Taking the time to help someone learn, sometimes it doesn't necessarily afford it the opportunity for you the opportunity because of time pressure or right. time and pressure um but I, I just think certain people are, are from that space that just really to your point feel fulfilled and not bothered like it's something you look forward to and that's and i think you know if i've had this conversation with a number of people any really great chef is a really good teacher they just don't really know it yet they're, they they're more accustomed to more of a one-on-one -on -one because you know, it's it's extremely rare the chef is making absolutely everything that goes out of the kitchen yeah that's that's never really ever going to happen so they have to train their staff and teach their staff how to recreate yeah. what they want and instill their values into them as far as this is what you're looking for with this these are the flavor profiles this is where i'm coming from with this and um not just kind of on uh, the step one step two step three but a deeper understanding ideally of the history behind something um or the idea behind the dish yeah. whether it comes from grandma or it comes from a very <laughs> traditional thing you know in some part of the world or uh, in, in, indeed the part of the, part of the world that they're working yeah. at that point so it, it kind of you kind of become practiced at it a little while just you know adapting it to instead of a one-on-one -on -one situation to a giant you know 
teaching lab or teaching kitchen or a, so cool. a lecture teaching hall. It's, and that's kind of, that's where kind of the nerves come in a little bit, but really, you know, once you kind of get going into it, it the nerves go away you know, pretty quickly if you're not, especially if you're not used to talking in front of a large group. Yeah, you're talking about what you love, though, too. Exactly. And so you talk about what, what you love and what you know, and it's it's very easy to, to, to f- jump into that role. Yeah. So after our time in D.C., we, we opted the opportunity to come move back here. And well, my wife is from here, born and raised here in gotcha. New Orleans. So that's that's the big reason why we came back. And there's always a discussion. <laughs> yeah, there's always a discussion of where else you know where else would we want to go? And it's like, well, I'd move back to New Orleans. It's like, oh, okay, well, that that could be on the radar. So uh, come back, find a job at a local restaurant here called Coquette, um, and really loved working there. Uh, really fantastic people. Um, that own it or owned it at the time that still own it uh, now there's additional uh, an additional partner in the restaurant with uh, with Kristen so it's Mike and Kristen that have the restaurant now it's and delicious yeah fantastic restaurant really one of my favorite restaurants I've ever worked in and if it wasn't for me getting the opportunity that came next I would still be there I wouldn't have not have left it yeah. was a really wonderful place to be um, I was there for four years and it actually turned out while I was there I was approached to become an adjunct instructor out at uh, the John Foles Culinary, which is out of Nichols State here. And so I made the drive um, Monday nights for three semesters uh, out to Thibodeau, which is about an hour and a half. Well, that's, a long, that's, a, that's a commitment. That's a commitment, but it's actually just kind of a nice drive out there, so it wasn't too bad. And so I did that, and that's where I kind of got my feet wet with, with teaching and um, really kind of, I just... I kind of solidified that bug that I had with yeah. there, that, 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 that desire to do that. And so then after about four years of working at Coquette, I get a call from a friend of mine um, who is a baking and pastry instructor at the Culinary Institute of America in Hyde Park. She said, hey, we're hiring um, baking York. and pastry yeah, instructors. Yeah, I know. That girlfriend's yeah. calling. <laughs> <laughs> and so she says, hey... Um, there's an, there's an opening here for baking and pastry instructor. I think you'd be great at it. Why don't you apply? So I went online. I did the application. Went through the process, and it and it's a process to yeah, sure. it's it's they they're very rigorous as far as did you one would hope. Yes, yeah. absolutely. Yes, <laughs> a, a, absolutely. And um, was was offered the job, and so uh, it's kind of like if you want to get into teaching, and um, Harvard offers you a teaching job, you you, you take that opportunity. Yeah. So what ended up happening is my wife stayed here because we had just bought a house and just finished renovating it. Oh my goodness! Um, it's funny like the day the, the day our contractor uh, kind of you know does one of these things yeah. with his hands and says well that that about does it for us here, and he um, was the same day I get the call. So timing. See now you understand all the timing. And yeah. References. So I'm like oh great. But um <laughs> so we didn't want to sell the house and you know we didn't want to really necessarily cut our ties with New Orleans so. I moved up to New York, and my wife stayed here for what ended up being three years. Wow! And uh, with I always had my eye on Noki, yeah, because they had they they were founded at that point, and they were just kind of just getting the ball rolling. Rolling, and I had, um, met with um, I actually sent an email to T. Martin, who's um, the head of our board of directors, and um, she's put me in charge of Carol Markowitz, who um, was our opening. Uh, executive director and we, we met and we talked but 
you know, we kind of walked by the building, but it was dirt floors. It was a construction site at that point, so yeah. with, with nothing happening. So yeah. there was not really much happening. But the idea, the promise that that was that was going to happen. So that was kind of always you know, the um, the light at the end of the tunnel of us of me coming back. Of that long, um, that long distance space. Exactly. So I. Um, Went to New York for three years, did that. Uh, an amazing opportunity. It was. I worked with some really amazing people, some really amazing chefs, and learned a great deal. And um, were you always in love with ducks, or did that happen when you got there? Well, I mean, I've always kind of like my life. Yeah, I had um, my apartment up there. Was, my apartment faced the duck pond. Oh. They had like a pond there with ducks and geese on it. So and they were pretty friendly. So yeah. that's it. Yeah, just to kind of get some background of that comment. But um, so I would have a, my patio, and there would be the the ducks that just come strolling up and I would hang out with them and do you feed them I, yeah I fed them initially yeah. bred when I realized I bred that that wasn't really good for them so I got some actual bird feed for them and um so yeah I had that wait bread isn't good for ducks no oh no. Well, it's by where do they find bread in nature? No, I guess not. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, where you, like they go to the local duck bait. Make sure hot dog yeah. roll. I got a bag of cracked corn for him, and I would feed him that. So the ducks and the geese, yeah. So, um, and then while I was there, actually, um, our assistant dean up there, Mark, came to me one day and he said, "Hey, listen, there's an opportunity. Our consulting department is designing the curriculum for this new school in New Orleans." And they're like, would you like to be involved with that? And I'm like, yeah. It's like, okay, I put your name in it. So I actually got to design and build, not like design as much, but build really the first two semesters of uh, the program here. Oh, that's awesome. So I'm like, I'm putting myself in in yeah. a good position for it. So when the call came, this whole thing kind of came to be, I was actually ended up being in a really good position for it. So I get the call from um, our director, the director of education at Noki, and said, hey, I heard you might be interested in moving back to New Orleans. I said, I would be very interested in moving back to New Orleans. So came down here, did the whole process, the interview, tasting, and then now. Uh, and here you are. Here I am. Here we are. So it's um, all your fault if it goes wrong, huh? It's all my fault if it goes wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's all my fault. At least the baking and pastry side, I'll take, I'll take credit and the blame for, for it as well. Whatever whatever comes do you think that like part of like your like this journey like like now you're part of like the founding do you would consider it now that you're part of the founders right of like or, or setting up yeah, I, never thought of it. I thought I've thought of, of myself as a founder of it but yeah I think I, I guess I, I'd be included in that conversation but you're uh, going uh, but like yeah but opening team would probably be more appropriate I think because I didn't our founder, the ones who've been. Well, been you could be part of the founding force. The founding force of it. I think that's. A, I like that term better. The founding force. So. But did it ever like like as you're doing this and you think about all the kid, all the kids, all the students you turned out right now at CIA that you've now touched, and you put out there and, and other and your other restaurant um, children really right. Now you're going to make your mark here. This is like even bigger for you because now you're in a foundation. You and Lisa are here. You're not moving someplace else, right? right? Yet. We're here. Yet. Yeah. Hold on. And then he'll be like, yeah, in a week I'm moving to Scandinavia. Anyway, because <laughs> uh, I'm going to, like, develop something out of pine cones, whatever. Um, how does – this a big – you know, it's easy to say I, I teach this and it is what it is, but, like, to do a first in a city so old that did so many firsts for the United States – do you ever like look at it like in that bigger picture where like you might be like setting up a different program where it's the first of its kind for baking? I mean, it's not so one on one. Yeah, I, I think um, 
I, I, we, it's not, uh, it doesn't escape us that we're, um, the program that we're doing is, is a very intense program. It's, uh, I, I like to say it's, it's hot and, and hot and fast. Mm. So it's, um, it's a very unique program. I think it's, it's what the industry needs right now. It's what the city needs. And I think it's really what culinary education, I think it's probably the future of culinary education right now, or at least I very much hope so. Yeah. Uh, but you know, because I mean, a lot of our students, we talked to a lot of our students in our inaugural class about why they chose us, because uh, we were very curious about that yeah. as an institute. Uh, you know, wh- why us? Why, yeah. What what made us stand out to you? And, and most of them, it was it is the time frame. You know, twenty weeks. It's worth hundred what hundred class days, and they get their certificate. Yeah. Um, so it's that's been very appealing to them that that the intensity of the program and so that's that really kind of made a mark will you graduate somebody if they if they are not ready no you'll just say you're staying here oh i mean we've got we've got um benchmarks or milestones along the way that they they have to complete or do they get kicked out i wouldn't say getting kicked out they're gonna they're gonna have to retake programs they're gonna have to retake classes and um you know so we, we do hold them to a very high standard so right now, do you have do you have just local students, local people from Louisiana? Believe it or not, no. Because uh, our first class, we didn't really advertise very heavily for it because mm-hmm. uh, we wanted to start off small and slow yeah. just to make sure that we're we're getting this we're getting this right and it's it's manage- <laughs> in a way yeah it's yeah. it's a very manageable thing with with a, a smaller class size and not have because we we have plenty of room to grow. Yeah. Uh, when you guys come and in, in tour the facility, you'll see that there's a lot of space for us to, to grow from where we are right now. But initially, we want to make sure that we're gonna, we got to get it right first. Yeah, and, and, and it's easier to handle that when in one class at a time. So, um, Gina's like the shiny penny. She's over there making cocktails ready. It's hard to pay attention. It's hard to pay attention. But um, actually, I forget where my train of thought was going with that. What was your question again initially? Um, It had to do with what? What's your favorite color? (laughs) (laughs) No, it was my question was is like you know would you fail somebody or how they go back to do the program? Is everybody local from this area? uh, Locally, Um, surprisingly enough, we because we didn't really advertise. Um, the school as much as we are right now initially and especially not necessarily nationally we knew we'd be polling locally for the most part but our first class we had we had students from all the way we had students from D.C. Um, Chicago um, I had student, a student from Oregon nice. so we really had we polled nationally right from right from the beginning yeah. which was a, a pleasant surprise when I got there and now we have we have students from, we still pull very much from the region, from South Louisiana, mostly New Orleans. But we have two students from New York State. We have another one from Washington, D.C. Uh, we've got a student from Italy. Do we know the person oh, from D.C.? Uh, no, I, well, maybe, maybe not. No, I'm not I'm sure. Kidding, I'm kidding. Yeah, so we have, we have a student from Italy coming in. What? Uh, we have a student from St. Louis. Oh. So we're, we're, we're pulling internationally at this point, which yeah. is for our, our you know, being open less than a year is a really kind of, kind of an amazing uh, an amazing thing to think about. Absolutely. So Absolutely. The, the sky's the limit with where, where we can go with with the Institute. That's crazy. It is. 
I mean, like, if you really think it's crazy. Yeah. Like, how do you just... Yeah. But, I mean, it's, it's in a way, when you really think about it, I mean, the, the city is known for food, and it's known yeah. all over the world. It's got a reputation all over to the Gina's world. To Gina's point, I can't believe there was a school here before. Right. So, for us to, to start pulling nationally, as early as we are, I, I guess maybe not as big a surprise for people to, to know about us and learn about us. Zach, going to make you a drink. And Outstanding. I'm gonna make you a drink because I they put as much care into this cocktail as I can with my limited bar toppings <laughs> here and not having my own kitchen and all my stuff here. So we went to the store and we found um, ingredients that kind of like I felt like were uh, were reminiscent of the person, right? Like so, I didn't, like nothing could, for you it could never be. Like, here's a grapefruit. <laughs> so um, we found these Korean melons, right? And they have this like crazy, um, like a sweeter flesh. But the pit in there is really delicious, right? Like, I was able to throw it out. For me, we're going to use that with white grapefruit, um, a little bit of uh, oleo um, syrup, and then water. We're going to do a non-alcoholic. And we're going to do it with um, a bit of mint. And one thing I love about this, it's, you know, you can take the care in the non-alcoholic drinks, it's still a cocktail. It, you know, it doesn't have uh, the, the, um, the alcohol in it, but it has everything else. And like, using the seeds in a different way is kind of like really, uh, it's nice because you really like, you get like the bitterness, so you're gonna get the bitter, the sweet, and all the layers that come into it. Wonderful. And I'm, I'm not gonna do just a basic soda like most people would just be like, oh, here's your soda drink. <laughs> so I'm not doing that today. Although, I do want a soda bar, there's nothing wrong with that. Anyway, <laughs> so we're gonna shake this up. I'm not gonna talk about this. I actually hollowed out the um, the melons, which you'll see uh, if you go to designateddrinker.show and you look at it. Um, and we're going to wind up double straining. I'm going to shake this really quickly and then we'll pour it in there and then we'll taste it. Great. And if it sucks, it's not my fault. I was trained by Zach. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I see a theme here. It's all coming back to you, Zach, because all your thoughts. That's such a magical sound. I heard that a lot. It's shaking. It's kind of a magical sound. Mm-hmm. It. And I think I think that's one thing I've always admired about Eugene is you're very thoughtful with your craft, with everything that you do. I, I find you very thoughtful. Maybe not necessarily initially, like oh no, I have to do this. But then when you do something, it's, I'm going to commit to this, and whenever you do it, it's a hundred percent. We did. Uh, <laughs> there have been very epic fails in the kitchen, both here, in, both in. Uh, DC and in uh, Coquette because I've done my dinners at Coquette yes, for so long yes. for uh, Spirited Dinners. And the fail is like one of those that this is not a fail. I just wanted to make sure, <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to make sure none of you were going to like be like, ew, what is that? That is surprisingly delicious. Um, sorry. Wow, that tastes like pineapple. Yeah. Um, I knew cream. I mean, I know what cream melon tastes like, but like I didn't realize when you put all this together, what was gonna happen. Nice. All right. Anyway, so let me finish. Okay. I really wasn't ready for. Do you use this a lot, Zach? Korean melons? Uh, not very often. No. Oh my god. 
You after guys... this, after this, I might have to um, put it into regular rotation. <laughs> I mean, what the like? It's so good. Now, now do they get it all in that little tiny hole? <laughs> this is where you take a picture of Louise, because <laughs> this is an art in itself. <laughs> I'm gonna spell that for sure. Uh, maybe no, you're doing. It looks perfect to me. Yeah. I think I'd like to freeze this in another world. Oh, that would be good. In another time. Another time. We don't want to make it messy. Pretty, pretty, pretty. Mm. Maybe you can leave the walls with one of the daiquiri machines. What? Yeah, right? That's all I need in my... <laughs> Wait, hold on. All I need is another toy, because like that doesn't distract me completely, right? Like Right now, I'm thinking, now if I took these home and did this... I mean, we don't have these available to me. Like, I would have to order this special. The fact that you could just go to your grocery store and this is just an everyday for you. Or what do they call it? What's the other name for these? Osaka melons? Is that right? I, I think so. Can I? I have no room. <laughs> I am literally, I feel like I'm bartending in a kitchen in Manhattan. And someone's like, studio apartment. <laughs> That's fine. Yeah, this would be about the size. This would be about the size of a studio apartment in New York. Right, and like you're making Thanksgiving for ten. Yeah, I mean, if you're, if you're lucky, this is a, this is the size. Of... I, I mean, I feel like this was happening. Can I ask you to hold that for me for a second? Absolutely. No place to put it. Um, and I'm not complaining. I'm just like, this is really hard to do <laughs> on a small table. Like I would have trouble in the kitchen doing this. So one of our recent graduates actually getting uh, got a job offer in Manhattan. Doing. Uh, working at uh, Batard. Being a cook. Cool. That's awesome. Yeah. And he's actually going to work with one of my former students from the CIA who is assistant sommelier there. So. Oh, nice. I forget. No, not that I forget. I know that they have a beverage program, amazing beverage program at CIA. It's just, I forget, like, you can do those kind of things. I'm like, you mean you don't have to just work and some, be someone's assistant forever before you're in charge? So what's this um, cocktail? Oh, I, did I? All right, so... <laughs> So you're gonna have to get a Korean melon, and they're about the size of a, um, I don't know, a papaya, right? They're two hand sizes. I don't know how to explain it. You're gonna have to go online. It's one of those things. But what I'm using in there, like I've had uh, here, like different kinds of ices and desserts and stuff made with it. But what we're what we're doing is we're using the uh, pits of it instead. So I didn't scrape the flesh. There's a ton of flesh. So I guess really, in theory, you could just eat this whole thing. Like you could, it's really one of those things where you could just eat it. Um, so what's in there is the entire seeds of one whole melon and then four ounces of white grapefruit juice, not pink, it will be too sweet. And then um, half an ounce of oleo syrup and then one ounce of water. Ooh, and you're gonna right. shake it together. And if you were gonna make this with a cocktail, or make it into a, with a spirit? Um, something really very light. I wouldn't go aggressive with this. So maybe something, honestly, a vodka would be nice, or maybe even a, um, a super uh, floral sherry or something. Oh. Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it's really quite beautiful, and nature took care of all of that. And it's, I'm resting it in a glass just to have a place to put it down, but you can pick it up. It's it's, it will hold it. So cheers. Oh, cheers. Hi. Cheers. Clink our melons. <laughs> well, I think I put a little bit of time in there, too. I did. Ooh. Yeah. That's fantastic. Yes. 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 Yeah, okay. Oh, that's delicious. Um, it's not, delicious. And not too sweet. 
which coming from a pastry chef, I guess, may seem kind of weird, but. <laughs> no, that grapefruit, it's a really nice balance. White grapefruit here is, you, I, I was just saying, um, the citrus that comes from this region, you're, I mean, like, people don't realize how low it has them, how, like, much citrus, like, comes yeah. from your state, and, like, Alabama, Texas, I mean, it's kind of mental. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there, there are. It's, it's really interesting to, to do some urban foraging in my neighborhood. Like we walk around the corner, and there's, um, there's a pecan tree, and really? there's a, a papaya tree, um, the next house over, and then you go around the corner, and then there's uh, satsumas, or there's Meyer lemons, or there's grapefruit growing. I think there's, and there's, and there's in front of our hotel. Um, I don't. You know what? I've never noticed. When we walk out, not the, not the. The valet side, but the other door, there's, um, dates, they're small and they're green. And I was like, I wonder if those are dates, but I can't, but they're, they're not right, but I mean, I wouldn't know. I don't think I, I noticed. easily identify a date. Or I don't notice, but I would love to go urban foraging with you and like make like contact. Right out alley. Like, can we like sponsor a class for that? I'll take your students around for a day. Like, yeah. There's a lot of purslane growing through the cracks on the sidewalk, but I wouldn't necessarily eat those because a lot of dogs in my <laughs> So that, that, that's just going to stay where it is. Do you know I think but. about you and 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 uh, the chef from BS Evans quite a lot when I see personally just come up? Because I was always like, that's a wheat. And they're like, yeah, we're going to put in the salad and it's going to be delicious. And yeah. this is the dressing going to go with it. <laughs> and then I like ate it and I was like, oh, it's so good. It's delicious, you know. What is this? Personally, it looks, it's a wheat. You literally, if you had it in your, yeah. in your yard, you pick it out of the cracks and it's kind of thick and looks a little bit. It's almost like a succulent. Um, yeah, like a succulent. Yeah. yeah. Um, I don't know that. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, baking a pastry that's more of a culinary product identification. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I'm sorry for those listening who who don't um, who are like, no, it's not that that type of. Huh. Yeah, it's this type You'll of. You'll have pie, to shoot but, me. Yeah, it's yeah. cool, and like you can eat it. But um, to your point, you may not want to eat the stuff in the side. No, no, no. God, yeah, you should have brought me satsumas. There's a lot satsumas. of dogs in my neighborhood. Like I said, it's, yeah, not, not something that we do. Is it that time of year for satsumas right now? No, that's, uh, citrus year is, is a wintertime kind of thing. So uh, Anybody usually, got bergamot somewhere in your neighborhood? Because I'm not dying. Not aware of. Yeah. Dying for somebody to grow bergamot. I'm not sure. Well, my, my wife loves to garden, and I've, I've kind of been bitten by the bug as well, so we may try and find a bergamot tree and plant it and see what happens. I, so. You have the best in, like, the soil here is just, like, just really just is flourishing. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, you know, it's tropical, like I said, so there's a lot of different interesting things that grow here. And, like, our seasons are really strange, too. Like, you will get uh, fresh citrus starting to come in around Christmas time. The same time strawberries start to come into season. Yeah. So fresh local strawberries are in season uh, December through right around May. Wow. Kind of depending on, on the season, they're fantastic. But it's um, you know some people from other parts of the country come here and they see strawberries on the menu in January and they're like, oh, well, you're getting it from South America. They're not a local product. How dare you misrepresent yourself? It's like no, I promise that they're they're grown here locally. It's just you know you notice you know you're here in January and you're probably wearing a short sleeve shirt. So yeah, that's Hello. that's yeah yes that's a part of it. That's an amazingly long time for a growing season. That many months, considering the fact yeah. that it's like two weeks. And yeah, they go, I mean they go through through <laughs> waves too, depending on on the weather. Like if it rains, they get kind of um, the flavor gets kind of um, dull because they get they get kind of they soak up all the water and they kind of go. Early season, kind of mid-season, late season, they kind of go through um, some time there. But 
Uh, you know, and, you know, strawberries will, and the peaches will come in usually right around the end of May. You usually have about a two-week period, generally speaking, where there's kind of a downtime in between. And then you go right into um, peaches, mostly uh, from the northern part of the state. We go a little bit further north uh, from here for, for stone fruit and stuff. So anyway. So a little housekeeping. Um, we're gonna, you're going to go where? Designated Drinker I don't know. You're going to go somewhere. Uh, designated Drinker Dot Show. And we're going to have all the tips and how-tos, the recipes, um, this one, plus all the others from all the past episodes. And then we're definitely going to you can find out more about Zach and what's happening at Noki. And we'll make sure that that information there as well. So people can or if you think you need to go to culinary school. Yes. You can sign up online and then they'll tell you maybe. Are you trying to tell me something? What's the wait? <laughs> What's the uh, wait list right now? I'm guessing it's going to be long. Well, we, we just uh, actually we're, we're doing orientation um, tomorrow <laughs> for for our next class. But then our, our, we we do two start dates, uh, usually in January and then again in um, July towards the end of July. So there's uh, if you sign up sometime before then, usually about a two week, two to three week period before that is when the cutoff is for that to be all signed up, paid for, ready to go, uh, to be enrolled in the next in the next class. Maybe I'll go to culinary school for 20 weeks. But if you don't want to, we do enthusiast classes as well. Oh, so that's fun. The 20-week commitment. So we do enthusiast classes. We just did one on uh, cooking fish with uh, Jason Goodenough from uh, Carrollton Market here in the city. We've got Tori McPhail coming. I think he's coming this week. He's going to do a seasoning class. Um, we do cheese classes. We do um, a number of different uh, classes with local chefs, um, local mixologists, uh, sommeliers. Oh, we, do, awesome. we did a whiskey class not long ago. So there's there's great opportunities to do just a few hour class to come in and um, get your hands dirty in our facilities and work with local um, local people in the hospitality industry to do a number of different classes and they're, we're getting we're creating new ones all the time so that's a, another fun fun part of yeah, that sound like yeah, so you'll teach people how to make that um, whatever that cheese bun thing that you make that little looks like a cinnamon roll but it was all cheese oh yeah the cheese yeah <laughs> I actually did the, that with pimento cheese here uh, come on yeah, it was really fantastic <laughs> so I have not taught any enthusiast classes yet so I may be uh, I'm going to talk with the person in charge of that I may try and get in on one here and there. I've had my plate pretty full with um, a regular curriculum with our, our regular students. So I once bet. things will settle down a little bit and I'll get I'll try and dip my toes into that a little bit and have some fun. Maybe so. maybe a babka class. Yeah. <laughs> do that. We could do yeah. I'd love to do an ice cream class because that's one of my favorite thing to make and eat is ice cream. Oh. And we have actually enough um, uh, the little at-home homemade uh, ice cream uh, attachments for KitchenAid mixers. Gotcha. So we have enough of those to do a class. So that's, um, we actually, we just discussed that today. So that actually may be Ooh. In, Ooh. on the horizon. Groundbreaking news. I love that. On the horizon, so. Well, one last um, uh, housekeeping. We're going to make sure that we say thank you to Brennan's for hosting us. Yes, yet again. Did I yes. do that yet? Yes, I don't yes. think we did that yet. No, we did, we did it right now. Thank you so much for having us here. It's really great. We're in the chess room, and it's beautiful and red and plaid, and it makes you feel like you're making big waves in a in a small room. <laughs> um, we have one last question. Sure. So <clears throat> in this day and age, people like, identify themselves with uh, different spirited animals 
and they you know really find that the um, egret is the calling for them <laughs> um, if you could identify yourself as one spirit one ingredient and it doesn't have to be spirited like alcohol but one ingredient that can define your spirit what is it oh an, an ingredient wow that's a really interesting question I'm going to do great at culinary school. <laughs> I don't know. I think um, you can see all the ingredients that he loves. Yeah. Like well, it's it's. I'm gonna have to say vanilla. Ooh, why? Uh, because uh, it just you know, for me, I just I love I just love vanilla. I, I think it, it goes it goes well with everything, uh, or on its own. And I, I don't know how that relates to me and my personality necessarily, <laughs> but you know I think you know I'm you know I, I do play well with others I think okay. so I think that would be that would be part of it, um, and it's just got um, I don't know, for, just for me as an ingredient I, re- I relate to it really well and I think it's uh, a, a wonderful um, it's luxurious and kind of plain at the same time and rare and, and rare I mean you yeah. think that real, uh, real vanilla comes from you know, it's, it's a seed product from an organ most people don't really know that kind of really I did not know where that. The, the real thing comes from so it's been um, so it's it's actually it's a beautiful ingredient most people think of something as plain as being vanilla but it's really um, I think maybe underappreciated by the greater public uh, but it's Thanks. it is you know you see it in baking cookies you see it in sure. ice cream you see it in um, a lot of different things, so I think it's kind of an, an underutilized ingredient. So I knew someone who used to put it in duck confit as well. A chef would put it in duck confit. Perfect. Yeah, I knew a chef who would who would make a vanilla oil and put it on uh, a crab salad. And yes. Yes. So. Um, oh my God, does that make so much sense with sweet crab? Duh. And lobster, I've seen it on a lobster dish as well from on the savory side. So it's you know it's, it's I guess it's one of those things that's maybe a little bit underappreciated once you kind of think about it. It's it's just a, a beautiful ingredient and a beautiful uh, flavor. That you know, maybe people don't necessarily notice or think about too often. So it's perfect for you. I yeah. like <laughs> literally have a smile from like ear to ear. Oh, on that note, it's time. Time. Cheers. 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 Thank you for coming, Zach. Absolutely. Absolutely.